Good morning. Yeah, and not with us anymore are uh, Benioff and Weiss, who are, um, <laughs> they've exited. Yes, they've Ooh. left. <laughs> yes. Um, not to throw too much shade before we've even rolled into the episode, but um, I, I don't know if I could argue they were ever really with us necessarily as far as Star Wars goes, or that we were really with them. I wasn't mm. anyway, I don't know. But uh, mm. um, they're out. Although, you know what? It's so easy to be like that now, isn't it? It's so easy now that they've quit to be like, oh, I never wanted them anyways. You know what I mean? Get out of yeah. here. Um, but I, You know, I had I had doubts. I was still I, I was still optimistic. I was still hoping for the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I realized as soon as I said that, I was like, well, that's not really true because I heard the news that they were announced for the project and I was like, oh, those guys. Um, okay. Well, you know. There's stuff about Game of Thrones I like. Maybe they'll do a good job with Star Wars, you know? So mm-hmm. I was I was hopeful, but it was not going to lie. When I woke up to that text from Kevin telling me, you know, or sharing the news story that they were out, it was a, a joyous feeling. And um, <laughs> yeah. I think that, that kind of demonstrates, like, what my true feelings were about the whole situation, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, this is a big deal. We're going to talk a bunch about uh, that and what we think is going on with the future of Star Wars um, as a result of this news. But um, we'll also talk about a new Mandalorian trailer, which which came out on Monday of last week, so Mm -hmm. about six days ago now. And um, Ryan, I'm really excited to talk to you because you saw Knives Out on Halloween. Mm Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, Ryan Johnson in the uh, audience. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't get to see it for a couple more weeks, um, like the, most of the rest of the world. Uh, there is a screening uh, on a Friday night and a Saturday night the weekend before it comes out in mm-hmm. I think most places, like a preview screening. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to try to go to that. Uh, so that'll be soon, but uh, not so soon that I want you to be telling us too much about the movie, but I definitely no, want to. I will not tell anything about the film because that's the way to experience it. Like I would, if you haven't watched trailers yet, like I know there was a final trailer, which I didn't watch. Um, I would recommend not watching it. Ryan would recommend not watching it. Don't watch any trailers. Don't read any reviews, but we can talk more about it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I almost feel like we just call this episode here. You know what I mean? We've we've sort of discussed. Well, we didn't get really get into the Mandalorian trailer at all. Out. <laughs> Don't watch anything about it. Goodbye. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, no. So let's um let's let's jump into this uh, Benny Hoff and or Benny Off and Wise news. I never knew how to um, spell Benny Off's last name, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know who DB is. Um, you know, like I, I don't, I don't really know their names. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but now I feel like maybe I never will. I don't have to learn them necessarily. So, man, I just feel so rude this morning as I talk about Benioff and Weiss. I'm sure they're wonderful guys. Um, here's the story. Okay, <laughs> uh, they made a deal with Lucasfilm to do a series of Star Wars movies 
and um, the announcement came out Monday night. It was Monday night, right? Yeah. Um, that they are walking away from that, that they're not going to do those movies. Um, so this is uh, the initial story, I think, was from Deadline. Um, and uh, I believe it was a situation where they prepared a uh, statement and Lucasfilm prepared a statement and sent them to Deadline and Deadline published a story. So um, first thing they said is, we love Star Wars. When George Lucas built it, he built us too. Getting to talk about Star Wars with him and the current Star Wars team was the thrill of a lifetime, and we will always be indebted to the saga that changed everything. Well said. Mm-hmm. That line did kind of get me. When George yeah. Lucas built Star Wars, he built us too. Mm-hmm. Well said. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathleen Kennedy says that they're not shutting any doors. She says David Benioff and Dan Weiss, that's his name. David Benioff and Dan Weiss are incredible storytellers. We hope to include them in the journey forward when they're able to step away from their busy schedule to focus on Star Wars. Okay. Um, And then the final quote from uh, the Game of Thrones guys is, there are only so many hours in the day and we felt we could not do justice to both Star Wars and our Netflix projects. So we are regretfully stepping away. As anyone would if they had, you know, the option to do Star Wars or Netflix projects. Like, why wouldn't you walk <laughs> away from Star Wars, right? Well, uh, nine figures. Yes, that's true. Okay. Is... Yeah. But but I wonder, like, I think about, like, Ryan Johnson, for instance, you know. I don't know what his fee was or what they paid him to make The Last Jedi. <clears> but <throat> I assume since it made, like, $900 million or whatever, like, in the U.S. alone, I, I assume that he made a lot of money from that movie. You know what I mean? Like, cause mm-hmm. they pay you to make it, but then I'm sure he got like a certain number of points or whatever, you know? I don't know if, I don't know if we know that about Lucasfilms. I'd be shocked workings. if he did not get any kind of participation in the movie doing really well at the box office, you know? Uh, I guess we don't know it for sure, but, yeah. uh, I, I think that, I, I guess my point is that yes, uh, uh, how many figures in the Netflix deal? Nine. Nine figure Netflix deal is a lot of money and more than they would make from making a Star Wars movie, no doubt. Um, but I feel like making a Star Wars movie a successful one or three successful Star Wars movies has to pay pretty well too. So that's all I'm saying. But mm-hmm. um so what's your initial reaction to the news, Ryan? We have another story that we'll look at that kind of it's like one of those um Hollywood trade magazine insider stories where hey Nobody's willing to go on record, but uh, you can trust us because we're a, a reputable source and yeah. we, people told us stuff. So we have one of those <laughs> stories. But what's your reaction just to the initial, like, well, we love Star Wars, but we're just too busy to do Star Wars. Sorry. What do you think about um, that? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think back because now my view on it has changed and evolved after more information and more um anonymous sources have come out and told more of the story um i think like just my general feeling of the what if part of it is um i was cautiously optimistic um but as you and i have talked about um quite a bit over the past week um they probably weren't the best fit for Star Wars um, with the type of storytelling they do. Um, And I think, like, you have to kind of get into some nuance there because, like, initially, 
and I think in, like, layman's terms, like, they are exactly the right fit for Star Wars. Like, they do, if you think of Star Wars just as, like, big budget, um, you know, epic storytelling in, like, a fantasy setting, like, yeah, like, who else is there? Like, yeah, those are the guys in 2019. Um, but then, like, it once you start to dig a little deeper and, like, really look at, um, you know, how they presented and told the story in Game of Thrones, and then especially looking at their uh, panel appearance when they were talking about, like, the the making of Game of Thrones, um, you start to kind of, like, see, like, some things that are, are maybe not, like, aligned with what we expect out of Star Wars. Um, I think their approach to um, thematic elements, um, you know, when you compare that to, um, like, what Ryan did in Last Jedi, like, it's, I mean, it's not even really a comparison. Um, And I think, like, their when I think back on Game of Thrones, like, I think about, like, the experience of it, and, like, every week, not knowing what's gonna happen next, constantly, like, being ready to be, like, shocked, and possibly disgusted, and, you know, all the discourse around it, and, like, um, it, I mean, it started to, in, you know, those, uh, towards the, in there, like, it started to feel more just like a like, a reality TV show, like, experience with, like, the Twitter conversations and everything, and, um, it was just, like, oh, who's gonna die this week? Who's gonna live? Like, um, you know, who's gonna betray who? Um, it's, it really, like, boiled down to a lot of, like, I think, like, superficial elements that kept people hooked, and, like, the hooks were good, like, I was, you know, I was, like, on the edge of my seat for, like, all of that last season, but, um, but then, like, you know, after being, like, a little bit removed, like, no one's, no one's talking about the last season of Game of Thrones. People weren't talking about it two weeks after. Like, there's, there's nothing to, like, unpack there or anything. I'm sure there's, like, some corner of the internet where people are still, like, scouring through it, but, like, that ship has sailed, like, no one is, like, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's no discourse around it, there, because there's nothing really to say about it at this point, and I think that's kind of, like, just on, like, a basic level, um, kind of like you were saying, like, I'm, i I was cautiously optimistic, but now I feel a sense of relief, and I think that was, that's probably closer to like my true feeling. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I mean like, uh, yeah, man, it, Game of Thrones, I think definitely a successful show. Um, there's a lot of things about it that are really good. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Game of Thrones. I, I liked it. I watched it when it was on. Um, but I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from Game of Thrones because obviously it was like this cultural phenomenon. It was a very big deal, but it's a lot more superficial entertainment than like a Star Wars saga film is, I think, um, in a lot of ways. And uh, like you said, you know, the fact that it's kind of already disappeared from the discourse and all the uh, prequel shows that they had been putting together for Game of Thrones seem to be disappearing from reality also. Uh, they did announce one, right? But Yeah, one got canceled, one got announced. 
No, but there, I was reading about it, and there were like I think six prequel <clears throat> shows in development in the Game of Thrones universe or whatever, like at HBO. Whoa. Yeah, they announced this like, oh, we're going to do like a million, which is not that far from what Lucasfilm seems to do uh, to a certain degree as well, which, you know, like we'll announce stuff the the second we think of it, you know what I mean? And then find out like down the road. Oh, well, actually, never mind. Um, although I guess with Lucasfilm, part of the problem is that they don't even have to announce things and we already know they're making them. So, for instance, like the James Mangold uh, Boba Fett movie, which <laughs> they never said they were going to do, but, you know, people found out. Right. So yeah. now it's like, oh, here's another thing that didn't come to pass. Well. They never said it would, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. but there have been other things like this, obviously, and um, Colin Trevorrow on episode nine and uh, lots of stuff like that. And, and, and we haven't talked about it on the show and I don't want to talk about it right now, but um, it sounds like there was a close call there with the Cassie and Andor series as well, where that almost like potentially wasn't going to work out and hopefully it does and it works out well and everything. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, making Star Wars... Uh, movies and TV shows is a dangerous business or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what does he say? Werner Herzog there. Uh, bounty hunting is a dangerous profession. Is that what he says? A dangerous profession? Yeah. Something like that. Um, but, but I mean, <clears throat> to circle back to why I started talking words out loud, uh, is that I think they just didn't seem equipped to make the kind of, st- to do the kind of storytelling that is... Um, significant enough to carry on the Star Wars legacy. It's a big mm-hmm. deal. You know, what mm-hmm. they were going to do is apparently it was going to be the origin of the Jedi Order is what, like, word is on the street this week in some of these articles is that, that that's, that's what they were looking to do, kind of tell the Jedi origin story, um, which maybe sounds like even further back than the Knights of the Old Republic type thing, obviously, I mm-hmm. guess, right? Yeah. So they were yeah, they were thinking be. about going way, way back. Um, that's heavy stuff. And not only that, but Bob Iger and Disney and whoever have said no more Star Wars films until 2022, um, which means this isn't just like, oh, well, yeah, we've got, you know, episode nine coming out next year. And then there's a Rogue One type movie and maybe we'll do a solo two. And then also these guys are going to do the origins of the Jedi order. This is like Star Wars stops Mm -hmm. for three years. And when it comes back, these guys are, are, it's almost like a J, I mean, not even close to the same level, but almost like a JJ Abrams type task with The Force Awakens, where it's like mm-hmm. we've got to reset and restart and set the tone going forward. And like, are the guys who did Game of Thrones, which <clears throat> is a kind of mean spirited, very, uh, very like um, violent, uh, heavy on shock factor, uh, you know, kind of show, are they the ones who are the right people to kind of, you know, um, make the first series of films in like Star Wars era 2.0 or whatever you'd call it, you know? I just, I don't know. It didn't ever seem like that would be the right fit. And then the other thing is like, you know, again, I don't want to disparage them too much. I don't know that much about them, but primarily it seems like by their own admission after that talk in Austin or whatever it was, that essentially all they've done is Game of Thrones and you're just you're taking i mean i don't i shouldn't say just because i couldn't do it and i'm not saying it's not a difficult thing but they're mm-hmm. taking this book and this series that somebody else created and they're adapting it for television that seems like a completely different task than we're going to kind of um set the bar for what star wars will be and kind of kick off a new era in star wars storytelling and 
and we're going to be the ones to tell a story as important as like this the the origin of the Jedi Order. It just seems quite different, you know. And so, yes, we were able to make this TV show that got people talking around the water cooler every Monday morning. Um, and you know, that's a big deal, but I don't know that they are, uh, really, um, equitable or they're really comparable tasks. So, Mm -hmm. and I mean, and I think it's also (laughs) worth noting that they're, um, you know, I think it's widely considered that the stuff where they collaborated with George RR Martin and like adapted his, um, you know, work with also him like co-writing and directing episodes and stuff was the high point of game of thrones and when they were sort of left to their own devices is where things started to fall apart and continued to yeah yeah and man i don't even want to relitigate the final season of game of thrones definitely not but i will just say as negative as i've sounded on them as down as i sound on them as as mean as i kind of was about being like hey i was thrilled to wake up to that news um for me watching the last season of game of thrones like there were just like really key choices made in that season that i very strongly disagreed with Mm -hmm. but like it was like i guess what i'm trying to say is i felt like they were like 80 percent of the way there but that 20% that they did not accomplish was like yeah. the critical stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I can't have that with Star Wars, like with the new series of Star Wars movies that are going to be like, you know, creating the the future for Star Wars. I can't have it be like some guys that are pretty good, but you know, like they, they just can't stick the landing. <laughs> can't stick the landing or worse than that even like would would choose a landing that sends a lot of the wrong messages and and doesn't have a vision doesn't have like i don't feel like there's a lot of heart in game of thrones you know um and maybe that's not fair to say but it doesn't to me it just doesn't feel like a show with a ton of heart and like i need star wars to have that so um, well that's that's kind of like a nebulous concept though oh yeah like it's pretty uh pretty subjective all right i don't think game of thrones has a lot of warmth and i want and i Star Wars mm. needs to have that. Okay. Let's put it that way, maybe. Yeah. Because um, I guess you can have a lot of heart in making something cold and cynical uh, if that's what your intention is yeah. to make. But... Well, I think I think people would point to, like, the Stark family and the relationship between the girls and stuff as, like, the emotional core of Game of Thrones. And, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, no, it's for a, Game of Thrones... For a game of in that yeah. universe, sure, there it is. It's but... a very small fire, <laughs> exactly. in a very cold expanse. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. they're not emotionless. Okay. They're not, you know. But but yeah, I'm not. I just I don't know. Um, yeah, I struggled to see how that was gonna, or I, I definitely had some skepticism as far as those guys doing it. So, um, and and you know, you have to wonder like, well, we have this whole article from Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's trying to dig into why they yeah. bailed. So I'm, I guess I'm ready to jump into the juicy stuff. Okay, yeah, because I was gonna say <laughs> I, I was just getting ready to kick off like a whole uh, hypothesis and stuff, and it's like, well, this article kind of does that. So why don't we just talk about what they yeah. have put forth and consider it? So, um, so we'll link to it. Um, it's uh, called "Why the Game of Thrones Duo Bailed on Star Wars," and it's from Boris Kitt and who is the name on there that I'm familiar with. But then yeah. there's also. Leslie Let's not Goldberg. do the thing where I name one. Leslie Goldberg, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so that's 
Articles from Minutes on Hollywood Reporter will be linked to in our notes. Uh, man, this first bit of news, Ryan, is the thing where I started reading this article and I was like, okay, yes, I'm going to read this whole article, no doubt. Because it kicked off with uh, this little anecdote about the fact that last summer, or like this previous summer that just passed, uh, Benahoff and Weiss went to Italy um, partially because they were going to visit, or they did visit, George Lucas um, and, and in the process of doing research for their trilogy of films that they were going to make for Star Wars. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, and, and that's part of what they said, too, when they were like, we're, we're out. Um, it was like, man, getting to talk to George Lucas about Star Wars, like, it was worth stringing Disney along for the last two years or whatever <laughs> just for that, just to be able to talk to George. <laughs> hey, if that's what it takes. <laughs> um, no, I mean, just like the, just to picture that in my mind, like, uh, I don't know if he's in Lake Cuomo or where he is, but just like, we're just going to fly over and then go, you know, sit down with George and it's going to be this gorgeous Italian, you know, landscape and, and backdrop. And there's George in his <laughs> flannel shirt and jeans and his <laughs> shout out to blast points. Cause they always point out the exact model, but wearing his Nike monarchs and, mm. uh, you know, sit there and talk to him. I mean, what, what a, what a picturesque, uh, <laughs> setting and, uh, in concept like man but also yeah. just no go ahead well i'm just wondering like so if i mean we've had the conversations about like um and i think uh force material did an excellent deep dive on this like about how involved george is in star wars these days um and how like how he was you know in the disney era and so like it's an interesting question to me like i wonder if like you know benioff and wise knowing that like they do their best work when it's dictated to them by old white men like i wonder if they were bringing if they were going to bring george more to the forefront here if they were going to try to get him in there like uh, that's an, that's an interesting idea, especially if it was like, they were like, okay, let's, let's work with George on this and try to get him a little bit involved in our, in our process. Because I think as the Bob Iger excerpt from his book points out, and as we kind of already knew anyways, but we just got more details, like that ship had sailed as far as George being super involved in this trilogy, like mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of the original plan is for him to be you know, creatively involved, not helming it, but creatively involved. Um, so I was like, well, JJ pissed me off, you know, so I'm not doing it. Um, but maybe, Hey, these guys, I, I, I visited the game of Thrones set when they were doing episode or season eight. Yeah. Um, I know these guys and like, Hey, maybe they're not as much of assholes as, uh, as <laughs> I don't think George is an a- or JJ is an asshole, but you know, maybe George so does. Maybe George does a little bit cause he, really he nice pushed guy. him out or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't even think he thinks that they, they seem to have a playful relationship at this point, whatever. But my point is just like, maybe he was like, Oh yeah, I can work with these guys. But mm-hmm. what if, and this is just wild speculation and not likely true at all. But what if it was like, they go and they meet with George and George is like, Oh, this sucks. Like you guys like, no way am I working with you on this? And they were like, okay, never mind. George hates our star Wars idea. Let's just go do our Netflix shows. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. I don't think they would have been like talking about how awesome it was talking to George Lucas. I would. 
I would oh, yeah? if if I wanted like, if oh, I would, if I was to make a Star Wars movie and George was like yeah. you suck like you are not making Star Wars I would be like okay it was awesome to meet George it was awesome <laughs> to meet him you know yeah that's true yeah could you be mad at George Lucas if he didn't like your Star Wars idea like could you really be like well screw you George like my idea is better than yours about Star Wars like you know what I mean like, you couldn't no no of course not even those guys couldn't be mad at George about that I don't feel like that's fair I don't maybe, know maybe. okay. Yeah. It's probably not what happened, but actually I saw that quote and I thought, um, I mean, I like where your head is, but I, I looked at it and I just thought, is George kind of more involved in all of this than we know? You know what I mean? Like, is, does is he, he the Palpatine of, of this all? No, I don't think he's that. But what I mean is like, is he, they had the whole, like, uh, they set out the thing where it's like, well, he'll be a consultant on these movies and he's going to be involved and he'll be in the credits and all that and i wonder if it's the thing where he's like well you know i'm I'm not i'm not committing to anything and i'm not going to be officially involved but at the same time like i want to know what you guys are doing i want to give feedback on what you're doing um and you know maybe every time they do because jj made a comment recently uh i can't remember where or when but um he made a comment about how they were talking to george about what they're doing in episode nine and um and and george yeah, going to him during the writing process or I think even before the writing process and talking to George. So I just wonder if all these guys, you know, I, I bet Ron Howard for sure was talking to George while he was making Solo. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, George probably Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, well, yeah, Solo. but he, he kind of seems to always do the ceremonial <clears throat> set visits to the movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, he directed a scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, directed a scene i was gonna say you know how i like to get uh pedantic and uh yeah, yeah. and real technical about um specific diction that we use yeah. here but yeah. i feel like uh, whoever wrote that article chose to use that term and then now it's become canon that george directed the scene when it's like oh he told him not to do something with a cape or whatever <laughs> and it was like oh he directed that scene <laughs> did he tell the cameras it where counts. to set up did he you know i don't think <laughs> he got the dp in position yeah. It may be. I don't know. But anyway, <clears throat> I love the idea that George is like involved in some level. And I do think the fact that we're starting a new kind of era and a new mm-hmm. trilogy and a new a whole different story outside of the saga um, could be like a really good opportunity for George to have some decent involvement in what whatever it is they're going to do. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, no matter what your ego is as a filmmaker or producer or anything like if you were making a star wars trilogy set about the origins of the jedi order like wouldn't you at least just want to know what george's thoughts on that are like if you i mean if you could like yeah like you'd i couldn't yeah like if unless you were like forbidden from you know doing that or like george just didn't want to but uh you know i think it if george will talk about most things yeah. <laughs> it seems so yeah. uh yeah yeah i know yeah so and i mean like i could see where george would be like well uh you know you're making your rogue one movie whatever you know I, i'm not that concerned about who built the death star or yeah. you know Maybe a, a young Han Solo movie, I could see him wanting to be more involved in that. Actually, he got the ball rolling on that. You know, he he's the one who greenlit that movie, basically. Yeah. Um, although, 
Um, conspiracy theorists don't want to ever acknowledge or believe that, but it's true. George is the one who made that choice and hired Lawrence Kasdan to write it, etc. Um, but, you know, those are smaller in scope and smaller in impact, I think, on the overall mm-hmm. lore of Star Wars. And this seems like it would have been pretty big in scope and impact. And so it just seems like something that he maybe would want to be involved in. So I don't know. It's interesting. Um, it's also interesting if, if Ryan Johnson ends up doing the next trilogy of Star Wars movies, which would be, I'm sure, his own unique unique thing and not related to what Benioff and Weiss were going to do. But um, it'd be interesting to see if there would be a similar potential for a collaboration with with Ryan Johnson and George you know I've heard conflicting reports about what Ryan or what George Lucas thinks about the last Jedi um mm-hmm. I don't know but yeah and I mean I still am like we've talked about this um a lot but I I feel like Ryan Johnson is the most George Lucas yeah of everyone involved in Star Wars right now Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and for sure. And that, I mean, that's one of the things with the Benioff and Weiss deal in the first place is like, to me, actually we said, we said this recently, uh, on an episode, I can't remember how many episodes, <laughs> excuse me, how many episodes back it was and why we were talking about it. But I, I remember being like, I'm going to be super mad if it turns out they're not doing the Ryan Johnson movies and they're doing the Benioff and Weiss movies instead. And I was like saying, you have mm-hmm. the opportunity to work with like this visionary genius original mm-hmm. filmmaker or these Game of Thrones dudes and you're gonna toss out the opportunity to work with Ryan Johnson so you can make a movie make movies with these Game of Thrones guys. I was gonna be like livid about that, you know? And mm-hmm. and it's because like I, Ryan Johnson, yeah, he seems like a visionary. He seems like an extremely um original, unique voice. Like his voice is strong. You can probably comment on that more when we get to knives out. Yeah. But I think you know you're and, watching a Ryan Johnson movie when you watch a Ryan Johnson movie. And I think like if you know, if you are listening to this podcast and you're not a fan of The Last Jedi, like well, first of all, wow. Like it's amazing <laughs> you're still listening to our show. Um but I mean, I think like once you see Knives Out, that I mean <laughs> like this guy kinda knows what he's doing. Ooh, okay. All right, cool. Well, we're coming back to, we're circling back to, yeah, to yeah, Knives yeah. Out. But, all right, that was like 10, 15, 20 minutes on one bullet point, so we should keep moving. Um, yeah. Sources tell Hollywood Reporter that Benioff and Weiss's exit has been brewing since August and that Kathleen Kennedy is said to have been unhappy with the Netflix deal just as they were scheduled to begin work on Star Wars. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, you know? We bought you guys, not bought you guys, but we signed you guys <laughs> as you were finishing up Game of Thrones, and we announced the project and said they're not going to work on it until they finish Game of Thrones. That's what they're doing. But then when they're done with that, the priority will become Star Wars. Like that was the belief, I think, of us, like fans. And uh, it seems to be what maybe Lucasfilm believed too. So for them to finish up Game of Thrones and then be like, well, we got to strike while the iron is hot and sign some huge development deal somewhere else. It's like, wait a minute. I thought you guys said you love Star Wars and you couldn't wait to do Star Wars. And like you were so excited to have the opportunity to do Star Wars, but really mm-hmm. you want to do Star Wars and 10 other things because you want to become the next like mogul producing team that, you know, like you want to create your own bad robot or whatever, mm-hmm. like good for you. But, you know, we don't want to be one of 10 things you're juggling like yeah and i mean yeah and you've got to like you know 
you've got to wonder what um there isn't like a ton of talk about the netflix side of things here but you've also got to wonder like in that deal when obviously they knew what they were getting but they're like okay we're giving you nine figures and you won't be ready to fully commit to these projects for 10 years if you're doing like a trilogy basically I mean, there there is a quote in the article from someone at Netflix or, you know, anonymous source at Netflix or whatever, where they said, like, it's not like they won't be able to deliver us anything for 10 years, but it's because uh, the Netflix deal was that they would be working concurrently on Star Wars and Netflix stuff. So they want to they juggle two different things. They want to, like, I mean, Netflix probably looking at it like, okay, Benioff and Weiss are signed to do Star Wars, like, that's definitely happening. But can we sign them to a long-term deal where they'll work with us while they're working on Star Wars, and then when they're done with Star Wars, they'll continue working with us? Um, that seems like a better deal for Netflix than it does for Disney or for Lucasfilm because you're coming in and you're taking their attention away from where it would mm-hmm. already be and, and getting some of it for yourself. Versus if I'm Lucasfilm, I'm looking at that and saying, wait, you said you were going to work with us, and now you want to you want to take me roller skating on Friday, but then you want to go roller skating with somebody else on Saturday. Like, Mm. are we, are we exclusive or are we not? You know what I mean? That's like how I look at it. Um, but sorry, uh, millennial listeners who have no idea what that, uh, metaphor was because monogamy is dead for millennials or because roller skating is dead. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Did you know about cuffing season, Ryan? No. Oh, I, I just learned about that. Well, I actually learned about it like a year or two ago, but it's an, an, an interesting um, cultural development among teenagers. Apparently in the winter months, that's called cuffing season. And, and you want to have uh, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever um, that is uh, committed to you. So you have someone to like hang out with and stuff when it's like all bad weather and everything. So you want to cuff somebody handcuff them you want to cuff somebody before the weather gets bad but then like when spring comes around it starts to warm up again then you know people break up with their the cuffs come off you break up with whoever you were dating and then you start playing the field again cuffing season yeah isn't that wild that is never participated in that myself but uh because it didn't exist um but you know i mean there's also the politics between disney and netflix as far as uh like they both have i mean they're both streaming giants now right yeah and and disney is like betting so much on disney plus and like do you really want <laughs> do you really want these people that you're working with like setting the tone for star wars going forward being super critically important to star wars to be you know giving employed half of, by the other guys <laughs> employed by the other guys giving half of their attention to your like yeah. your enemy in this streaming tv war or whatever you know it just doesn't mm-hmm. make a lot of sense from that level either Yeah, and I mean, like, I guess it's probably possible to, you know, like, we know JJ has, like, a million projects going on and stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, when, um, you know, there was a Q&A after uh, the Knives Out screening with Ryan, and he said, like, um, one of the things that was great about Knives Out is he did it in a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said that, uh, Last Jedi was four years yeah. of like his full commitment. And yeah. so when you think about that, like, yeah, like three of those films. And I mean, I guess you 
I mean, he did Last Jedi fully committed to it. But, I mean, I guess you can be less committed, but... Yeah, and, and uh, the, the four-year number uh, is, like, a, a little bit confusing to me because it's, like, well, we read, like, the art of The Last Jedi, and we know, like, he was at Lucasfilm in, like, 2015, I think, really starting to do big-time research. I guess I'd have to go back and look at the book for sure. Yeah. But, I, you know, I feel like it was more like a three-year process making The Last Jedi because um, it came out His in 2017. Words, man. <laughs> I know, I know. But, maybe, you know, maybe he means, like, from when he first started talking to Lucasfilm about doing it and stuff. Yeah, but, and but not being completely like. It and... Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think he wrote he wrote that movie pretty quickly, too. It doesn't matter. Whatever. He, he put a lot of time into it. And, and the thing is, yeah. like. But he didn't produce anything else. Right, exactly. Yes, period. yes, yes, it's, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I, but I think even JJ, um, you, like you said, he's he's got a lot of things going on and a lot at, at all times. But he also is he runs this giant production company, Bad mm-hmm. Robot, and there's a lot of people that work there and a lot of people that work for him. And I think with the Force Awakens, you read like the art of the Force Awakens or just listen to JJ talk about making that movie. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know that he was. I don't think he was too invested in other things once he started making Star Wars. I mean, I do know that there were. When he was writing The Force Awakens, like him and Lawrence Kasdan would be, he said that they would like kind of broke the script by walking around in different cities around the world and stuff, while, like going on these long walks and talking and, and figuring out the story. And maybe they were in all these different places because of other projects JJ was still finishing up or, you know, kind of committed to or whatever early in that process. But I think once he got into it, he was focused. And the, the one person that I know of who I do know um, was split as far as his. Um, resources and dedication and stuff goes is Colin Trevorrow because I know he was doing half a day on Jurassic World or whatever it was and then half a day on Star Wars and that always seemed to be like one of those things too where it's like dude how can you be making the new Star Wars movie and putting half of your day into it you know what I mean um and I'm not a big Hollywood director I don't work in Hollywood I don't know like how that stuff all shakes out but it just seems like I suppose the other side of that coin is how can you be a young protege of Steven Spielberg who's been tasked with like carrying on one of his franchises and be like, well, see ya, I'm out. You know, I mean, I guess if, if, if you're, if you're spending half your day working with Steven Spielberg and his company and half your day working with Lucasfilm, maybe that does make sense. But, but there's not a good track record for people who are like, kind of like, well, I'll give part of my time to star Wars, you know, I guess that's my, yeah. And, and there's like, JJ has, I'm looking at his IMDb right now, and he has a ton of producer credits between, like, 2012 and all the way up through, like, basically, like, the rest of his life is basically planned out on IMDb here. Like, they just stop listing dates at 2022, (laughs) and there's still, like, 10 projects at the top of the page. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, like, he has a lot of producer credits um, in the Disney era, but not much, like, nothing in writer and director. Yeah, and and I think it's because he's got this whole, like, operation that he is the head of and that he, like, is the creative lead for at Bad Robot, but then, like, you know, he's got, like, there's production teams and teams of people within that that kind of, like, it's like lost, you know, he wrote the pilot, directed the pilot, worked a little bit on the first season and then like set that 
uh, you know, he was still producer, but he wasn't doing the day-to-day on Lost, you know, mm-hmm. which is why it's crazy when people are like, oh, he couldn't stick a landing. He was like so uninvolved. <laughs> he was in... so far removed. I know. From, yeah. And yeah. it's just like. Put that yeah. on Lindelof. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, there, no, there's this bullet point here. Um, adding to the wrinkle was that according to one source, the Netflix deal required them to be exclusively on the sets of the projects they created during production and not be away for Star Wars at the same time. Which, again, if you want to look at this more from the perspective of, is this some kind of weird power struggle between Disney and Netflix? I mean, that seems like uh, a relevant factor right there. Uh, yeah, we're going to sign you this nine-figure deal, but just so you know, like when you're doing Netflix stuff, you're doing Netflix stuff, and we're not sharing you with Disney. And if you're Disney on the other side of that deal going, wait, we signed these guys last year. How are they now all of a sudden uh-huh. deciding that they're going to be, you know... Um, that they're going to be like giving more time to this other woman than they are to us, you know. Um, Two hundred and fifty million dollars is yeah a lot of money. Another thing we didn't talk about the time in the Netflix pack uh, packed. Benioff and Weiss were working on a treatment for Disney and Lucasfilm. The pair was committed to it penning at least one of the films, though the original deal was to write all three. Uh, and just a lot of these little nuggets yeah. of information make me wonder, like. Did they, you know, kind of go in and pitch, or maybe they didn't have to pitch considering where they were with Game of Thrones, but did they go in and talk to Lucasfilm in 2018 and say, we want to do three Star Wars movies, we're going to write them, it's going to be awesome, like, we can't wait. Mm -hmm. And then as the reality of trying to create new, meaningful, impactful Star Wars set in, it was, like, less and less that they were willing to commit to it. You know what I mean? Not because it was like, oh, well, not only because, hey, we're going to get $250 million from Netflix, but maybe also because, whoa, this is hard. And, like, I don't know if we are as able to do this as we thought we were. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is is it, is it a possibility that as the reality of creating new Star Wars and, and creating new Star Wars that's good enough to feel proud of, the reality of, of that process sets in? Is it one of those things where it's like, well, let's start looking for exit plans. Let's start looking for... You know, because I bet in 2018 when they made this deal, they weren't thinking that they were going to try to sign some 10-year deal with some other development place as soon as Game of Thrones ended. You know what I mean? But but maybe as that as it got closer to actually doing Star Wars and 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 it's, it's a lot easier to say you're going to do something than actually do it. You know? Yeah. And I, I just wonder if it was like, whew, man, maybe we should start looking at other things. And because it would be sorry, last thing, real quick, it would be mm-hmm. I think pretty tough on your career i think this is already going to maybe be kind of tough on their career but if you're if you do game of thrones and it's not that well received the ending of it and then the next big thing that happens in your career is that you quit star wars what does that look like you know versus you do the netflix or you do the game of thrones final season it's not that well received but just as that's bombing or whatever you want to say you get this big win $250 $250 million, Netflix, 10 years, multiple projects. Like, that's a big win. We're power players. And then after that big win, okay, but we're not going to do Star Wars anymore. Like, to me, that's a way different story than mm-hmm. Game of Thrones last season sucked, and also we just quit Star Wars. Now yeah. somebody signed us to a $250 million deal. Yeah. Your your cultural cachet and your ability to sit at the table and make that deal, I think, would be significantly hit by quitting Star Wars before you do some other deal you know what i mean yeah i mean and i don't know i don't know these guys i don't really know who they are as people um aside from you know a a pretty 
revealing panel at Austin Film Festival, which is like their first uh, public appearance because they canceled their, I believe it was the San Diego Comic Con panel. Yeah, after. It was supposed to be a farewell panel. Yeah. Yeah. They canceled that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how cynical these dudes are. Um, but like, yeah, like they signed that deal in February of 2018 when the last season of Game of Thrones was like more hotly anticipated than anything Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I I think now it's like, you know, hindsight's 2020 and people are like, oh yeah, remember Game of Thrones? Yeah, that kind of sucked at the end. Um, but like at that time, like that wait between those two like half seasons, like that was I mean, people that's people were talking about that for like years. Yeah. Like, oh man, it's coming. It's coming. We're you know, we're X amount of days now. It's happening this year. It's coming. Um, you know, it was like the hype was insane. Um, and that was after like even the even some rough patches in um, you know, the the last uh last season season and a half. Um so yeah, they, I mean they were in such a good place to bargain then and like I don't know. It's it's weird to me kind of that like <sighs> it's weird thinking of like someone like Kathy Kennedy being like swept up in the hype of anything and but like I mean Game of Thrones was a cultural phenomenon in the same way Jurassic World was a shocking phenomenon yeah that huge, it's huge one of success, like the yeah. the like top 10 highest grossing movies ever which yeah. i don't think anyone expected from a like the fifth jurassic park movie <laughs> like or fourth i don't know um yeah and so like when you know when she got people like colin trevorrow and um you know benioff and wise like I guess, like, at, there was a time where people, like, these guys seem like the future of, like, blockbusters. And then the reality is, like, I think both in the case of Colin Trevorrow and Benioff and Wise is they got kind of lucky. Um, and they, you know, in the same way, like, George got kind of lucky with A New Hope. Like, there were a lot of things that could have gone wrong there, and a lot of things that were wrong until, like, the very last minute, but it was thanks to, like, you know, the cast, the composer, the, you know, all these, like, little factors that, you know, made it a hit. Um, and I don't know, it's just, it's just interesting to think about that, and... Um, I'm kind of rambling here, but um, I think, like, they had, like you said, so much cultural cachet in um, 2018, and then I think, um, I think getting them that $250 million, I think it was a, I think it was a power play by Netflix. Mm -hmm. I, I think, like, and this is, like, the most cynical thing possible, like, I think they wanted 
like, you know, Star Wars and by extension Disney and Disney Plus to be less successful. Yeah, steal steal the star players away from your competitor. Um, yeah, as a blow to them, right? Yeah, potentially. I mean, and like even if like there's, I mean, I also think there's a good chance that uh, maybe the uh, Benioff and Wise Star Wars films um, would not have been as much of a hit as uh, like fans or like commercially people wanted them to be but even just and like i think that was probably a factor to consider like well what if they like make these star wars films and they like suck and like make people really mad and it totally kills star wars like well that could be good for us but um on like the netflix side of things but like at the same time like just throwing that wrench in the gears I think was enough because that just like, I mean, it just m- messed up Lucasfilm's film slate like extremely. Yeah. And th- there's so much to, qu- I mean, one thing that you just mentioned there that um, I'll, I'll touch on quickly, um, but I-, I-, I always wonder with, you know, writer directors um, or specifically with Colin Trevorrow and-, and Benioff and Weiss, it's like, you know, some, I think like a Ryan Johnson, I hate to just, I actually don't, I love to gush about Ryan Johnson a ton, but like, I I feel like we're really doing that a lot this episode, but uh, cause I like to, well, fine. But, um, you look at him and it's like, well, yeah, that he writes his movies, he directs his movies and it's a total like creative vision. Um, and that's what he should be doing. You know, like you don't get the, like, oh wow, it'd be great if Ryan Johnson would direct somebody else's script. I mean, it just seems like an odd choice, you know, like it's like the idea of Wes Anderson directing somebody else's script or something, you know, like he always writes his movies and he directs them and it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's what he does. Sofia Coppola, whatever, you know? Um, but then like, I look at like, uh, Colin Trevorrow or Benioff and Weiss and like Jurassic world. I like that movie. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, but there were definitely kind of like game of Thrones season eight. There was times where it was like, but that's the choice you made. Like that's where the story's going or like whatever, you know, but, but like, Jurassic World to me was a lot like Force Awakens in the sense that like I sat down to watch that movie and I was like well this is a modern Jurassic Park but it really like the feel you know what I mean like the the moment to moment you know movie experience really feels like what it should for a Jurassic World movie or I mean a Jurassic Park movie or you know in the case of the Force Awakens a Star Wars movie and like Mm -hmm. to me that's like that's direction right like or that's a big part of what the directing job would be is like creating the feeling and the tone Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And I feel like Trevor O did a really good job with that with Jurassic world. And, um, you know, but then I'm like some of the writing stuff you're like, okay. Um, and then it's kind of same thing with game of Thrones potentially too. It's like these guys undoubtedly have talent, you know what I mean? And they, they took this and they adapted it and they made it into something really impressive. But at the same time, like, does that mean, that like every director needs to also like write their own stuff like or would it be would a Colin Trevorrow or a Benioff and Weiss be better off like directing movies that other like really talented screenwriters who don't direct movies you know wrote and then they come in and collaborate with those people versus well I want to be the next you know whoever so I am gonna write my movies and direct them not everybody has that you know maybe I don't know not everybody has that strength and and So I guess I've always been more concerned about Benioff and Weiss writing the Star Wars movies than I necessarily was about them directing it. Mm. 
Not that I was super thrilled about either, but the the writing thing seems to be where my concern would be kind of more with both of those kind of guys, you know, so um, I don't know. But uh, what else? Oh, um, b- bullied uh, as well. Um, Benioff and Weiss, uh-huh. part of the argument here, and this makes a lot of sense. I mean, it makes a ton of sense, and it's something that will come up when we talk about Knives Out, too. Part of the argument here, um, apparently, for, for these guys was, well, um, we got uh, we took so much heat for Game of Thrones, and we just saw how Star- we've seen how Star Wars fans are online to people they don't like. Do we really want to set ourselves up for more abuse from fans? You know, mm-hmm. um, the source close to Benioff and Weiss says uh, that the, their thought process was basically, "Who wants to go through that again? Not them. This was in the life's too short category." Um, <laughs> I mean, could you blame them? I don't know. You know? Yeah. Um, I wonder if I, and I don't know, I feel like it, like, yeah, Benioff and Weiss got, got a lot of flack. I don't think either of them are on social media necessarily. Um, I don't think I've ever seen them in any capacity, but, um, they got, I feel like what Benioff and Weiss got was like, criticized (laughs) they had their work critiqued um and i think some of it was like you know i saw some severe stuff um like directed at the work and i guess like by extension directed at them um i mean i don't i think like the star wars um Because there's also, you know, there's critique and criticism of The Last Jedi. And then there's also, like, weird Gamergate stuff of, like, you know, like, racists and misogynists and homophobes and, like, these just, like, awful people who are, like, coming out of the woodwork to, like, harass and, you know, um, you know, make stuff up and, like, just you know be like huge dicks Mm -hmm. um and i think like i don't know if there was much of that for game of thrones yeah i don't know i i didn't and i think like i'm not that close like i'm not part of the game of thrones fandom i guess like i don't you know listen to podcasts or go on like message boards or like you know i'm not on game of thrones twitter even though for a while it felt like everyone was on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um in the same way like I'm involved with Star Wars, but like I I don't think I like ever really saw any of that. Yeah, m- maybe not, but maybe not, but at the same time it's like, well, we can go to Netflix and make whatever projects we want to make and not mm-hmm. have it have all this weight attached to it or we can try to tackle something else that people already have strong attachment to. And then if you disappoint them, it's this big deal where you let people down versus I don't know what they're going to do at Netflix, but if it's not adapting stuff that people are already in love with, then, you know, maybe they make a crappy show and people just move on with their lives versus you make a crappy star Wars trilogy. And it, you know, it's going to take me a while to get over it. I have to tell you, I'm not going to harass them. I'm not going to yell at them on the internet, but I'm going to be extremely disappointed. And you know, it's, it, 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 even if Game of Thrones fans weren't 
chasing them down and harassing them and abusing them and, and, you know, all that stuff, um, it must feel awful to disappoint the whole world. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm serious about that. And, and yeah. so imagine the pressure. We talked about it with JJ. We talked about it when we were talking about the George Lucas story from the Bob Iger book. Mm-hmm. Imagine the pressure of, of, of carrying on Star Wars, you know? Um, imagine the pressure of that. I mean, JJ had done Star Trek and was pretty successful with it, you know? Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people didn't like in, Into the into Darkness, right? Was that yeah, one a little bit disappointing one, yeah. to people? It was awesome. I don't know. Oh, you, but but I think it didn't it get yeah. some backlash or something. Yeah, yeah. But not as much as the Simon Pegg one, which really people didn't like. I think, right? The third one. Oh, uh, Beyond. No, that was um, that was like the. I think that was James Wan. I think it was like the. Oh, best, Simon Pegg wrote it though, right? Was, maybe. It doesn't um, matter. But anyway, yeah, I think like no one really cared about okay. the third yeah. one. Is really. Okay, but 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 I mean, like he had done Star Trek and he'd been successful with it, you know, and he'd been successful with a lot of things. And then it's like, I'm going to go into Star Wars and I think I can do this. And he did it. And it was awesome. But imagine like if J.J. had just had the biggest show in the world on TV and it just ended and the whole world was like, you know, loved him so much. And then all of a sudden decided he was the worst. And th- and that was his mental that was his headspace going into making the force awakens. That just seems like a really different thing than, you know, uh, wow. We just, we, we put out season eight of game of Thrones, the one that we are most directly responsible for setting the direction for, uh, story wise and people hated it. And now we're supposed to create a new star Wars trilogy. And we already know that people get pretty feisty about star Wars. And, you know, I just, Uh, I feel like that would be really difficult. Um, and, and, the, and the next quote here says, and we're almost done with this article, but uh, whether forces ex- in, uh, internal or external were in play, Benny and Weiss wanted out. It was a hard quit, says the insider. So like, no, we are done. We are not doing this. Like we're out is how I interpret mm-hmm. that. And it just kind of seems like that, you know, makes sense to me on a lot of levels. Like I can mm-hmm. empathize with these guys and I can see where maybe they would have just thought it's not worth it. Um, and, and partially because of a lack of confidence, which I think you could say like, oh, well, you know, they're not, they're not talented enough. So they weren't confident in themselves. Or, or you could also just look at it like more empathetically, which is kind of how I'm, I'm feeling about it as we talk about it, which is just like, it would be really painful to biff on the last season of Game of Thrones the way they did. Mm -hmm. And then to go into that with all the, I mean, there would just be so much pressure to do Star Wars anyway, to do it right. And to go into that, like, I don't know. So anyway, we don't really know yeah. what happened, but um, there's the, some people speculating too that like really they were, it was Lucasfilm who was like, eh, we, we're not sure we want you to do this anymore, but we're going to let you shop around and get your Netflix deal and all that. And then we'll let you go. I, I who knows? I don't know how Hollywood works. That seems pretty disingenuous and fraudulent. Like, I can't imagine that Disney and Lucasfilm would be like, well, you're not going to work for us. Like we don't think you're, we don't think you're good enough, but we will allow you to pretend you're good enough while you ink some giant deal with some other company. Like we'll basically help you trick another company into paying you more than you're worth. <laughs> Maybe that happens in Hollywood all the time, but that seems kind of yeah. far-fetched to me. It does. It seems kind of far-fetched to me. I mean, I, wanting to protect I somebody's career or, or, or trying to do it in a way where it's not going to be a ton of egg on their face or whatever. I can see. Yeah. But I, hard to believe that 
because the, the speculation I saw about that was like, oh yeah, Kathleen Kennedy and and they they knew like earlier this year, like around celebration time, they were like, oh yeah, no, these guys suck. We're not working with them, but we'll let them pretend they're working with us to like sign some other giant deal. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I mean the other juicy rumor is like towards the end of uh game of thrones season eight uh lucasfilm started rethinking it um i saw i saw that um and yeah i don't know that one i mean of course it's pop it's possible but it also just seems like the kind of like made up fan speculation rumor that writes itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like one of those things where. Well, but there is like, there is kind of a precedent for that though, because like, um, with Trevorrow. Josh Trank, Josh Trank, when uh fantastic four was like the hottest mess in Hollywood, uh, you know, that's when Lucasfilm started having their doubts. And then when um, Colin Trevorrow's, like, next feature um, completely bombed, they started having doubts as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, the Trank thing, if if rumors are to be believed, he, like, lost his ability to be professional while making the fantastic four and uh yeah was a train wreck on the set and so mm-hmm. i mean i guess that's i mean that's you know kind of the same thing but it's 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 not one of those things where it's like oh well people didn't like the movie he made so let's get rid of him it's like he no. has demonstrated himself to be not <laughs> trustworthy um, well yeah and i mean we and like it was that was a story before that movie even came out yes like right, the right. troubled production yes. like was there but also like um you know josh (laughs) josh trake i think is like one of the most interesting stories from hollywood like he was like this prodigy like super young god like when he was he um when he was directing fantastic four he he was still in his 20s yeah um and yeah and like and then he basically just like cracked under the pressure which god like i would have on the first day of something like that in my 20s um but then like he's gone on to like make smaller films and uh that have been like well received and he's like super happy and he's like yeah basically this was like the best thing that could have happened to me yeah, because he had to kind of get his life together, right? I think is sort of yeah. the deal. Like he kind of got his life together, and then since then he's been able to, like, you know. Yeah, because like he's be definitely successful. someone who is like a visionary and has like, um, you know, just so many ideas, mm-hmm. and he is like kind of like a prodigy and everything. But like he just, it was just too much too fast. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, um, and I mean that that's yeah, so much responsibility and like pressure with Star Wars and stuff, and like. It's almost something that I feel like that would be an important role for or job or whatever task for somebody like Kathleen Kennedy too is like uh, she's talked about it a little bit actually and she kind of got some heat for it and you know I don't really want to weigh in on the on the debate but um, when she talked about you know when were they going to have um, more uh, people of color and more women directing Star Wars movies and stuff and she was like you're kind of throwing somebody into the sh- I mean this is okay. I don't know exactly what she said. I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. But basically she said like it's a high pressure situation and you have to make sure somebody is ready for that and that they have mm. kind of 
their career is established enough and their skills are established enough that they've done enough big stuff that they are going to be able to handle like the pressure of doing something like that and also the the way people are going to react to them as well um, mm-hmm. and so I just feel like part of what you have to do probably is protect especially young people who are kind of stepping into this kind of thing a little bit and you know she might have developed that to a certain extent based on what happened with Josh Trank because it you know what I mean like although then again he kind of blew up before he even never started working on Star Wars so I guess you couldn't really lay that at her feet but I'm sure she watched it happen she was already working with the guy she watched him mm-hmm. you know explode um, and part of what you'd have to be concerned about when you hire people and we might be seeing it play out with Benioff and Weiss too in a different way but you know are they actually ready for this and not only ready for it but like will they be able to deal with the pressure of it because to me the pressure seems like it would be insane so uh yeah and um and like just but you, because you of- know who can deal with sorry you know who's really <laughs> demonstrated themselves so able to deal with the pressure and even the backlash rj yes he could do a great <laughs> okay uh sorry <laughs> I cut um, you off, just just because <laughs> it's like thrown out there and now that it's like in the in the ether um i do like <clears throat> that that cat that kathy kennedy comment about um you know people of color and female directors and stuff like um i think what's frustrating about that is of the systemic racism and sexism in hollywood there are so few um like it's not so few but a minority of um you know high profile creators are women and people of color because of like these systemic issues so it's like it's kind of like the you know the idea of like well um you're too inexperienced for this entry-level job kind of thing like it's like you know how do you how do you get the experience and i think what lucasfilm is doing now with tv um is good like yes um i was gonna say first um jj hiring a woman of color as the second unit director on the last jedi is big um and then also what they're doing with the tv shows yeah like you were saying like yeah. bringing people in that way and getting them you know acclimated to um the work and yeah the pressure right, right. and yeah. certain i mean certainly it's like systemic where the, the the system sets up the barriers and then because of the barriers set up by the system like it's like okay well now uh you know um people yeah like you said people don't have the experience or you know there's only so many people in hollywood who you know have the track record to do something on this scale or whatever but yeah that's Mm -hmm. because the way that we've created the system precludes people from having that experience and so it's like this never-ending cycle or whatever absolutely um the other thing too just so quickly and again it's not really anything i want (laughs) to focus on at the moment but um i think that the director position is the one that like gets all the publicity and the one that people focus on um but i think in the process of making a movie uh and it depends on probably the production or whatever too but you know um there are so many there's a lot of other important roles but it's like well when you know it's a movie it's like oh the the director name is the one that like everybody focuses mm-hmm. on and everything but you know you look at lucasfilm and and uh 
and like especially their like VPs and the people like really like high up in the actual Lucasfilm company and you know there's been um, quite a bit of diversity there as far as like you know mm-hmm. their initiatives and that kind of thing that it's not the name director and so it doesn't get the same kind of attention um, which is not to make an excuse for the fact that you know they still are all the Star Wars films are by white dudes but I'm just saying you know like mm-hmm. uh, it, it does seem like something that they're they're certainly working on and we see that in the Disney Plus shows and all those things so uh, and I yeah. think it's something that's important to Kathleen Kennedy and I think J.J. Abrams um, and so we'll see where those things go but uh, anyway to wrap up this story about mm-hmm. Benioff and Weiss I don't want to actually let's just the, the, well, the one art... more thing yeah go ahead one more thing um, there was also, I saw another, and it's not in the Hollywood Reporter one, um, I'm not sure where I saw it, but there was also some disagreement, um, rumored disagreement between Benioff and Weiss and the, and Kathleen Kennedy and I would assume the Lucasfilm story group around the origins of the Jedi. Yes, yes, well. yes. Well, like when we're actually getting into like the actual content of the film that as they started to meet and work together more they saw that their mm. ideas were on divergent paths that they did not yeah. have the same kind of perspective on what the story should be yeah and i i'm sorry but um my confidences lie with <laughs> kathleen kennedy and lucasfilm story group and uh, whoever else may have been involved in that maybe even george lucas i don't know um but what if what if Benioff and Wise were bringing back George's ideas, nah. and they're and they were like, no, this is it's too George. Okay, can't go this. We can't go this George. I mean, look uh, <laughs> to tell George, sorry, it's too George. We can't go that George is probably a really hard thing mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and something they did with the Force Awakens, and I think it was a hard call, yeah. but the right call. Uh, and so, you know, this is probably, uh, blasphemous, but I would trust them if, if George's ideas were to George and they, and they, Lucasfilm said, sorry, George to George, I would Mm -hmm. trust him. Uh, honestly, especially if Benioff and Weiss were the ones who were like, we love these George ideas. (laughs) And Lucasfilm was like, nah, to George. I'd be like, you know, um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, the article though, from Hollywood reporter, it ends with like a, a couple paragraphs about like the state of Lucasfilm and, you know, uh-huh. like all that stuff yeah. and how troubled things are. And, um, it, there's a quote that says the stuff needs to be sorted out before it gets to a cataclysmic point as far as like the future of Lucasfilm and all those things. And I don't know. Uh, I feel like it's uh it's a little more doom and gloom and, um, it, it, it's a little too focused on kind of the, well, they fired some people or some people have left projects or whatever. And, um, I don't know. I'm not, ai don't write for the Hollywood reporter. I don't follow the business that closely or whatever, but I just feel like, um, specifically it compares it to Marvel and says like all Marvel's vision is so clear for its cinematic universe, but Star Wars has had trouble finding its footing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Because Marvel is, um, Marvel is making, comic book movies based on comic books that are well established and uh you know they can be very independent of one another as long as they're still comic book movies set in the marvel universe and it doesn't have to be so um i I, they make like five of them a year and just don't think that there's as much weight on the 
uh, on figuring out what they are as there is Star Wars. And so to compare the two, I feel like just is like not very mm. fair. You know what I mean? Um, yep. And uh, yeah, it's like they, they Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy and the Star Wars directors, including Benny Weiss, whoever is involved, Trevorrow, Trank, who people have been fired, whatever. Um, I think their job is a lot more difficult and, and very just, it's not even about comparing like which one's harder or not. It's about just identi- like realizing they're really different tasks, you know, I think, um, setting a tone for the Marvel cinematic university or universe or, uh, or, uh, you know, setting the direction for that versus like, we have to figure out what star Wars is because up until now it was six movies overseen by one guy 40 years apart. Um, and now we have to try to figure out how to make this, have weight like it always has been and be important like it always has been and feel true to what it always has been, but also go off in new directions and, and do it in a different way. And to compare that to, well, you know, over at Marvel, they make like five comic book popcorn movies a year and, uh, they don't seem to have Mm -hmm. any trouble, even though Edgar Wright got fired. Um, even though there's been, you know, high profile failures over there too, but like, I just don't think you get the same, like the sky is falling mentality when <laughs> changes like that take place with the Marvel stuff as you do with star Wars. Yeah. And, and I like, you know, we're a star Wars podcast where hardcore star Wars fans, um, you know, we, and for some people, like some people see all genre fiction it goes in the same bucket. Mm-hmm. Like there's some people do not, like, I think a lot of people don't see a difference between Jurassic World, Game of Thrones, uh, Avengers, and Star Wars. Like, it's all just, like, you know, it's stuff that, you know, there's there's toys, and it makes a ton of money, and it's super expensive to make, and it, like, you know, pushes technology. Like, it's all, you know, it's all the same. Right. Um, but I think, um, and, you know, I think um, some you know game of thrones readers um would you know uh, had issues with uh the adaptation especially in the last few se- seasons um but i think with um with star wars like there's just like a there's a little bit more i mean you get like you get people Whenever there's a new Marvel movie trailer come out, you get, like, these articles that are like, oh, here's the top eight Easter eggs that you didn't catch in the new, um, you know, Ant-Man trailer or whatever. Like, oh, this is a reference to, like, this issue of the comic book. Like, oh, and then, like, and then that's where the discourse ends there. And then you like you see the movie and then it's like oh wow that that post credit scene like that setting up this oh i bet that's based off this and then that's kind of like the end of the discourse again i'm not like hardcore in the mcu community um and such but you know it's it's it feels a lot lighter um but then like with star wars like I mean, we unpack frame by frame every, uh, you know, every second of trailers. And it's not just like us. It's every Star Wars podcast. 
Like, when I woke up on the morning after the Rise of Skywalker final trailer, my I had, like, five podcasts of people who stayed up on a work night to, like, you know, go through and look at every single frame and make inferences. Mm-hmm. Um, inferences both plot and theme. And I think that's kind of the difference um where and i'm not saying like oh like you know like star wars is better art than anything else but i mean in the way that it resonates with me and with people like us it is and it is something that like we unpack like as literature and people you know are still finding you know, details and things to discuss in um, The Last Jedi. Like, people are still, you know, talking about that film and, like, analyzing it and discussing it. And, like, you know, and then we get stuff that, like, that Rise of Kylo Ren series that, like, gives us, like, a total paradigm shift on, like, what we thought. And it changes perspectives. And then we have to go back and, like, reanalyze other things. And, um, and I think think to like get that right and to service the fans is much harder than just like oh we're going to have you know this person reveal themselves to be a villain and this character is gonna die yeah and you know and then here's some like easter egg references to like these comic books from the 70s yeah like yeah and and like okay so um we should we we probably should move on to our other two topics here, uh, which yeah. we're going to spend far less time on. But we should move on yeah. to those uh, <laughs> well. pretty quickly. But no, we are. But uh, like, maybe I'm just drinking. Maybe all of us are just drinking the Star Wars Kool Aid or whatever, and George Lucas's Kool Aid and all that stuff. But like, you know, a lot of us believe that Star Wars is modern myth, and that it is it is a story um, that is going to have resonance for decades or centuries, um, and that it it is. It is modern myth. Um, and I think you could say the same thing maybe about like sort of Batman and Spider-Man and Superman mm-hmm. and stuff, but not the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Like they are not creating modern myth. You know what I mean? Like the the stories being told through that comic book medium over the last 60 or 70 years, I think have created a sort of form of like modern myth or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would quite argue like to the level of star Wars, but you know, maybe I'm biased in that regard, but it's not these movies that are being made right now. You know, like Batman is this iconic character and I love Tim Burton's 1989 Batman movie, but it's just like one Batman movie. Now it's like one of many different versions of Batman. And you know, like mm-hmm. there, I, it, it doesn't have the resonance and it doesn't have the weight and importance. I don't think the movies do, which is fine. They don't have to like, not every new movie has to be star Wars or whatever. And they can still be like, they're like best in class, those Marvel movies. You know what I mean? They are just about as good yeah. as, uh, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say that. But to me, they're, they're you know, excellent films and, 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 and made um, in, in, a, in a really successful way for what it is, which is an adaptation of a comic book. But then a new Star Wars movie, and I'm a big Star Wars movie guy personally. Like I read, all the, I read a lot of books and comics and I love the mm-hmm. toys and all that stuff. But like to me, like the core text of Star Wars is these movies, you know, um, and you're creating the mythology with these movies and if one comes out and it sucks 
it's a big deal, you know, or if one comes out and it doesn't hit the mark or it doesn't have weight, um, and depth to it, it's a big deal, you know, versus I loved Ant-Man. It was super fun. I think it's a very successful Marvel cinematic universe movie. Mm-hmm. I watched it once. You know what I mean? It doesn't, there's, yeah. it's just not comparable. There's no comparison. And to be like, oh, well they made Ant-Man without any trouble. Whoops. Actually they fired the original writer and director and there was a bunch of trouble in it. It still turned out to be awesome, but it's, it's the, the weight, the pressure, the, 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 the task in front of you making that movie versus making star Wars or even like, I don't know, captain America, winter soldier. People love that movie, right? Like, is that really the same level of like making that movie, you know, having to create that, having to get it right? Like, is it really the same task? I, I just don't think they're really comparable, you know? So to say like, oh, well, boy, they really need to find their footing because they struggle to do this thing. Like to me, like the fact that The Force Awakens came out and it's amazing is like the most mind blowing accomplishment. You know what I mean? Yeah. The fact that like they rebooted Spider-Man for a third time and it's really good is not the most amazing accomplishment to me. It's awesome. I love those Spider-Man movies. Tom Holland mm-hmm. Spider-Man is great, but I'm not yeah. like, oh my God, they did it. They made a Spider-Man movie and it's good. You know what I mean? But like when The Force Awakens came out, I was like, how did they do this? How did they take all these things from the past and create something new and give it this weight and value? And like, how am I tearing up at the trailer for this movie? It's just like, to me, it's mm-hmm. just this whole different thing. And I get kind of sick of people being like, well, Marvel's so good and they're so successful and they never have any problems. And it's like, fine, because maybe they're not struggling to accomplish the same thing that Lucasfilm is. Yeah. And I think um, like the, and this is ridiculous. We always get into this and I like, I hate this conversation, but, but like once it's out there, like you can't not talk about it, but like, I would say, like, um, <clears throat> I, but at the same time, like, I think Lucasfilm has also been realizing that, hey, these Star Wars films, they are the primary text. These, like, have to, like, have weight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't think it's just the financials of Solo that made them rethink that strategy. I think even if Solo had done, you know, a billion dollars, I think, like, walking away from that movie and, like, my, I still, I like the movie now. I can appreciate it for what it is. But, like, my initial thought was, like, holy crap, that was a shallow-ass Star Wars movie. Like, comparatively. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, like... But then, like, on the other hand, I think Marvel does have stuff like Black Panther, which is, like, has a lot more interesting, like, thematic elements. And there is stuff to unpack there. And I think there's, like, a lot of, a lot of, like, a lot more art there. Um, but, um, yeah. Real quick, though, could I just jump in real quick? I think I totally agree. Black Panther is, like, basically my favorite uh, MCU movie. It's amazing. Um, It's a little different task, though, or or, uh, goal, I think, there, because, like, what it's doing is I think it's it's creating social commentary 
but yeah. through a similar sort of storytelling and filmmaking as like the other Marvel movies, but it has something to say like about society now today. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. commenting on our culture. And I feel like that's not what Star Wars does. Not to say that one is better than the other or whatever, but like Star Wars has to create these like I feel like what Star Wars is doing is creating these like kind of kind of epic myths that are they're divorced from like time and place. They don't have anything to do with like commenting I shouldn't say nothing to do with, but yeah, I wouldn't say that. Like, I mean, George is pr- pretty, uh, pretty clear about you know comparing the Emperor to Nixon, and you know the the like Revenge of the Sith is pretty George W. Bush. <laughs> like, there's yes, yeah, yes, and I mean, yes and no. Okay, we sh- we shouldn't we can't go down this road, but yeah. Ugh. We can't. We it's. I mean, Star Wars has always been political. It has. And it has. I, it, it's always had social commentary, but it's layered in the same way like myths also had social commentary. It's yeah. not the primary focus. Right. That doesn't mean it's not there, but that's it's not like a um a morality tale or something for like you know getting kids to you know go to bed on time or something well yeah and i think george looks at the vietnam war looks at richard nixon and thinks like this is one more example of this like of of you know people's desire for power and to subjugate other people and etc you know and Mm -hmm. thinks like we see this play out in history over and over and over and over and like this is what's happening right now that i'm inspired Mm -hmm. by but it's not I'm not making a movie about the Vietnam War. Like, I'm seeing what's happening in the Vietnam War, and I'm pissed about it, and it's going to inspire me to tell this kind of a story. But, you know, like, Black Panther, and (laughs) maybe it's a more important task, you know, that that, but it is commenting on American society and the treatment of, you know, or, or the the cultural politics between, you know, different groups. And it's like very specific and like, it's not like, well, let's just make a movie about like, you know, sort of how like a certain character flaw that people have. No, we want to address like this situation is what Black Panther is. And so, which is awesome, you know, and and I think it was really great, but uh, I feel like what's really cool about that um, to a certain extent is like Ryan Coogler. uh, It's like, he's able to work within the Marvel template, but then also Mm -hmm. do that. And it's awesome. But it's just still, I think, something really different than what Star Wars does. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, still in Kathleen Kennedy, I trust. <laughs> but if I don't hear that Ryan Johnson is doing the movies coming out in 2022, 2024, and 2026, <laughs> although I think that calendar basically doesn't exist anymore. I think it's like pretty much made up. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean. Sh- I'm sure they want to get to, I'm sure they would like to have a movie out Christmas of 2022. Because if they don't, then it's just more time spent not having Star Wars movies in the theaters or whatever. But uh, yeah, to me, that's like that's one of those things where you hear pundits and whoever entertainment you know writers saying, "Well, Marvel always goes and does their little showing, and they always put their calendar up there, and they show everybody what's coming out." And how come Star Wars doesn't do that? And it's like, I think they were like, "Okay, fine, we should do that because everybody wants us to." And then guess what? It was a stupid idea. <laughs> you should yeah. not have done that. <laughs> they don't know yeah, what they're doing and when it's it happening. Yeah. And I will take their messy, uh, big swings, um, sometimes missing, uh, uh-huh. trying to do something incredible over a smooth, you know, operation, putting out predictable, more shallow entertainment. Like, I, 
everybody I mean, who's writing both yeah like yeah but everybody who's there's, writing there's about how both. yeah but i'm just saying everybody who's writing about how lucasfilm can't just like like clockwork put out no drama movies on a predictable production cycle whatever it's like i think it's evidence that what they're doing is on a different level personally and that it's messy and mm-hmm. hard to hard to get it done yeah um and uh, but I know one thing they could really do, <laughs> which is hire Ryan Johnson, and then they could get it done more predictably. Uh, but no, uh-huh. but it, sorry, just to like to wrap it up because we really should move on to these other two things and then yeah. get out of here. But um, I think your point is is makes so much sense as far as like Solo, um, and I think Rogue One's a weird outlier because it is like a standalone movie, but it's closer to a saga movie in terms of how much depth and heart it has and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's just like <laughs> there's that term again. Yeah, Art. well, yeah, <laughs> I don't care. I'm I'm fine with being subjective about Star Wars, but uh, okay. but Disney Plus is just like it's like a perfect place for stuff like Solo. You know what I mean? Um, and and yeah. the Mandalorian and a Boba Fett movie. Like, ah, really, a Boba Fett movie? I don't know. I mean, I just and oh, even the Obi Wan show. And Obi Wan's one of these saga characters, whatever. But like the story they're going to tell about Obi Wan Kenobi, like, does should it sit on screen in a movie theater next to? episodes one through nine or does it make more sense as like a tv show i think they rightfully came to the conclusion wait a minute maybe the stuff makes more sense on tv and i think it would have been true for solo although solo solo is like uh the indiana jones star wars movie which mm-hmm. is but that's not indiana i love indiana jones but it's not quite the same thing as star wars right and so yeah maybe you protect the thing that is a star wars movie mm-hmm. by moving this stuff to tv like you pointed out right and then that makes so much more sense. And then not only that, to, to just put a bow on it, and we got to move on, but just to put a bow on it, would it have made more sense for Dan and Dave to just do a Star Wars TV show? Mm-hmm. I think that could have been a lot better plan too, but I don't know. Um, let's move on to an actual Star Wars TV show. Okay. Because there's this new Mandalorian trailer. We don't have that much yep. to say about it. I No. We're not breaking it, it down shot by shot. No. Um, it uh, looks... It is a trailer aimed at the 18 to 45 male demographic, and uh, it is successful in that regard. Yeah. Um, and it, it really recycles a lot of like imagery and stuff that we've seen in other trailers. I think it's just more of a, hey, let's get people aware of the show and, you know, Disney Plus launches in a couple of weeks, and so let's make sure people remember that and uh, whatnot. But it's all just cool action sequences, primarily, right? I mean, yeah. It honestly, it reminds me of a Marvel trailer. Yeah, like because it's basically people are like, "Oh, that looks badass," and "Oh, here's a couple references to some old things," and then everyone just moved on. Yes. Yeah. Like, no, I think you're right. It doesn't even within like the Star Wars, you know, fan community or whatever, it doesn't have the kind of, I mean, nobody would expect it to, but it just, it doesn't have the kind of resonance that like the Rise of Skywalker trailer has because, well, number one, it doesn't really give us much new, anything new, but yeah, it's, it's very plot driven. It's very like cool action sequence driven. Um, A lot of of gun poses. Yep. A lot of cool, heroic, tough guy, gun poses, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, I loved your... (laughs) Your text to me as soon as it was over, which was basically to say it's so mask, uh, you know, so masculine, um, uh-huh. which is pretty much true. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's some beautiful shots. There's some really cool stuff. But again, mostly all things I've seen already. 
Um, I always crack up at the shot where uh, Cara Dune and the Mando do the like, ooh, like high five thing. Like they, you know, like bro up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that whole moment yeah. is pretty funny. I love it. Love it. Um, you get the cool. The one thing in here that I think is new and, and pretty interesting is the woman who puts her hands up to the Mandalorian's helmet, puts her mm-hmm. hands on his helmet, and, and it's like, what, what's going on in that sequence? And um, it definitely indicates the idea that, uh, I'm just going to go for it, Ryan, that maybe there's more heart to the Mandalorian than, oh my God. <laughs> than we would have otherwise uh, maybe thought. So, yeah. um, and also, who's this actor? Uh, do you know the shot I'm talking about towards the end? There's a guy in a, like a red room, and he's got like a bald head like me. And, uh, uh, he's got like guns. He's got like two blasters. Yeah. He's even got one up on his shoulder. <laughs> he's, like a got, blaster. Like, he's like general grievous, but with guns. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I, I know I recognize the guy. Uh, I don't know the actor's name and I can't remember what he's been in before, but I mean, like if I, if I didn't know I was looking at a TV show, like seeing this guy is like, oh, this is a TV actor right here. You know what I mean? And I'm sure he's been in a million movies. I'm sure he has, but it looks so television, you know? Um, uh-huh. And I think the Mandalorian's so, going to have... It's so EU. No, it looks so EU. Exactly. Yes, so totally. EU. It's the difference between a character you see in a Star Wars movie on screen and a character you see um, airbrushed on the uh, cover of a Star Wars novel. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. that's kind of what it looks like there. Uh, and I'm not upset about that. I'm laughing about it. I'm not it's either. Fun. Like, I love the EU, and I'm super stoked for the show, but it's a very different thing. Yeah, and, and I, I think that it's... Based on all the reactions people have had to seeing it, um, seeing the footage that they've seen so far, and, and based on some of the comments and stuff, I think it will be, there will be more to it than this trailer indicates, I think, you know? Um, but I bet it'll be similar to, like, a Clone Wars or a Star Wars Rebels or whatever, where it's like, yeah, those those shows, like, they definitely bring in some of the mythic, like, um, deep storytelling of, like, a Star Wars movie or whatever, but it's just in a really different way and in a, on a different level, you know, because there are moments in Star Wars Rebels where I'm so moved by the story of the ghost crew and, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But then there's also just tons of episodes where it's like, here's the ghost crew doing the ghost crew thing. You know what I mean? And it's like mm-hmm. you you can't compare it to a Star Wars movie. It's not the same thing. And I don't think this will be either. I mean, I think it's going to look great because I'm, I'm sitting here saying like it looks like such a TV show in this shot or whatever. But overall, I think it's going to look really good. I think it's going to be great. Um, but I just can't like rip apart this trailer and be um, all analytical about it in the same way that I would with a saga movie trailer. Yeah. Uh, what does he say at the end here, though? It's a good line from The Mandalorian, from Pedro Pascal. Yeah. It's like, it's a very like action movie line. Yeah, good. Uh, I forget yeah. what Werner Herzog said to him to make him say that, but yeah. it was a badass tough guy line there. Yeah, and I mean, it's the same as like in the footage we saw at Celebration where he's like, I like those odds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, I mean, it's like total, yeah. It, it This is, it is what it is. Like, it's fine. I think, you know, I'm going to like watch the crap out of this show. Like, I'm going to watch... I'm probably going to watch episodes multiple times. Like I'm so excited for this. Um, You know, I've been buying the toys. Um, I'm, I'm amped like, but it's not the same way that I'm going to like sit down and unpack the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I, uh, that, Oh no, definitely not. 
Um, that being said, I think when the first episode comes out or when any episode comes out, but like when the episodes air and we're watching them, I think there will be plenty to say about them. And, you know, yeah. there'll be plenty probably to dig into and talk about, like, as far as like the actual episodes are concerned. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the imagery in the trailer and stuff or just like what the trailer, I don't know. It's a different thing as we've as we've definitely kind of yeah. hammered home here at this point. But um, and that's cool. Yeah, like Star Wars can be a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, there's you know, like you were saying, there's the primary texts, and those are those are sacred. Those are the sacred Jedi texts. Yeah, um, I think the show's going to deliver in a lot of cool stuff, though. Uh, last thing, I'll I guess you know as we kind of move on here, but um, just watching the end of the trailer again and like the Mandalorian you know, zip lining his way onto the TIE fighter that uh, mm-hmm. Giancarlo Esposito is flying there and like kind of being up on top of it, you know, uh, Anakin Skywalker in Coruscant style, you know, like I'm going to open yeah. up the hatch of your TIE fighter or whatever. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I, I think there's gonna be some really cool stuff. So there's, there's good. It's definitely going to have like a lot of cool, cool moments. Yeah. And this news has been out there for a couple of weeks, but I didn't realize until you kind of texted me that calendar, I think from Star Wars explained mm-hmm. earlier in the week, but, um, mm-hmm. Uh, in two weeks, or a little less than, actually just a little over a week now, I think, um, when uh, the Tuesday when the first episode comes out, November 12th, um, that's when that first episode drops. But then the second episode drops just like, what, three days later on a Friday, four days later, three days later on a Friday there. So um, mm-hmm. we'll get we'll get two episodes the first week. That'll be awesome. And then pretty much weekly episodes from there. So, uh, yeah, going to be exciting stuff. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. So to uh, wrap the show up here, Ryan, um, tell us uh-huh. about your experience going to see Knives Out at the Denver International Film Festival, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, okay. First of all, I'm not going to spoil anything about the film because that would be the worst thing I could do to anyone, um, not even in broad strokes. But um, yeah, so the actual experience was... Um, I watched uh, Knives Out in a packed um, uh, opera house um, <laughs> auditorium. It's the it's the same auditorium where I saw um, Book of Mormon live. Uh, <laughs> so that kind of gives you a, a, an idea of what um, the environment was, and uh, it was pretty amazing. I'm like I'm a hardcore Alamo Drafthouse draconian theater moviegoer like I want like fascism in my <laughs> theaters basically like no one talks no one turns on cell phones like if you have a cough you stifle it for two hours and like you want to go to Kyle know. Ren's movie theater yeah basically like no I'm like a total total fascist when it comes to like movie theaters because i like i want that like pure experience like i don't want to be like oh this movie was good but like god these people behind us wouldn't shut up and like everything and like this was um i mean it was i knew going into it it was going to be almost an impossible task for this the sheer number of people like it was like three stories Mm. of film goers um it's the most people i've ever seen a movie with um and in it's just in this like ginormous space um you know with you know theater acoustics like theater uh Mm, acoustics and um 
and yeah so like i was you know i kind of just like resigned myself to it but um it actually like in in some ways it like really um enhanced the experience because like though <laughs> it's it's a movie like i don't i don't know i don't care like what you think of ryan johnson or last jedi or anything like it's a movie that will elicit reactions um at like it demands your attention basically and will just consistently elicit reactions and like the people were reacting the whole time and i mean consistently and it was uh such a fun experience and then like um after the film because uh, it is deep like the one thing i will say about it is like it's a fun movie it is also a dense and complicated movie but like at its core it's moment to moment it's fun okay. um but uh yeah can, can i ask af- you one question about it then yeah uh, <clears throat> nothing to do with details or whatever but i really feel like one of my biggest um initial takeaways from the last jedi and by initial i mean like after watching it two or three times is like oh i didn't totally get not get isn't the right word but like this movie necessitated multiple viewings for me to uh-huh. completely comprehend it like you can't watch the last jedi once and then i feel like i couldn't anyway watch it once and know be confidently kind of weigh in on it because it it, mm-hmm. it required more than one viewing is that is knives out a similar type of thing you think where it's like multiple viewings are going to be uh maybe required to completely take it all in um i think you can get the the totality of it in one viewing like you'll know how you feel but, about it you'll know what your your kind of reaction yeah. to it is Mm-hmm. but then you will want oh, to see it okay. again like i like Lindsay and i immediately after leaving is like okay when when do we get to go see this at alamo yeah, yeah like when yeah. does the blu-ray come out because like it's a uh, you know it's uh it's 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 dense yeah and it's you know there's a lot of uh a lot of uh thrown expectations but there's also like if you're uh okay i'm not saying anymore. okay yeah um, right, okay so then you yeah. went to the party afterwards well no then immediately after um the uh they presented ryan with the uh john cassavetes award um for um you know being being real good at making movies <laughs> um <laughs> and uh um and ryan was like as if you've ever seen an interview with him like he was so like humble and charming and down to earth about it and everything and then after that um an interviewer with um from the denver post like they pulled out two chairs onto the stage and um you know they just had a um like a q a between them so like part of it was um like, because Ryan grew up here in um, Denver. And so part of it was, like, you know, talking about, like, the city and, like, how it's changed and stuff like that. Um, but then, like, there was also, like, um, a part where, like, the dude asked, like, 
one question about like hey it doesn't seem like there's many um like whodunits these days and then ryan's like wait and like went through and like listed like 30 from like the past like year and was just like oh man you gotta see this and like this and then was like going on about like just totally geeking out about like old whodunits and stuff and like he basically was just like okay if you liked my movie then here's 50 movies you need to like go home and watch yeah he knows Um, movies which yeah, yeah which just like and it was just like it was just such like raw like nerdy enthusiasm yeah. that like it was just it was so like sincere and endearing um and then like yeah then there was like obviously some uh some star wars questions um around that and that's where he you know sort of talked about like how um knives out was fun because it was you know d- done in a year as opposed to like star wars which takes longer he did not talk about anything in the future um which you know i don't think like the audience there was not there for like star wars news (laughs) yeah um but okay yeah and then after that we went to the after party which was uh down the street at um God, uh, like, and so I had been to this building once before. We went there for Dink, which is an independent, um, comic convention. It's, um, like, uh, I don't know, like the, like, uh, higher, like the indie comic scene. And I'm, I'm not saying like, oh, this was like an independent comic convention, like, where, like, oh, some people just, like, you know, got a bunch of, um, you know, Marvel and DC writers here. Like, it's it's the indie comic scene. Like, the um, people working outside of... Um, like, the comic convention, within... like the comic convention from Chasing Amy? Yes. Okay. All yes. Right. Okay. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, so, yeah, we had gone there before, but, like, this is also, like, an... Um, place for like art installations and art shows and there was like tons of art up on the walls that was like for sale there was a misfits inspired piece um that i was like oh that's awesome um and then like i noticed it was eleven thousand (laughs) dollars and (laughs) so like you could kind of like that's just scene setting yeah um and so we we get to this like party i've never been to something like this before um but the uh there's a live band playing there's um uh there's a murder mystery game happening where there's people in you know masks that you have to like go get clues from and like you have to share clues with other party goers it's like it's it was like a mingling activity but um but it was like very theatrical at the same time because like the the you know the <clears throat> everyone was like wearing like full costumes and like uh i think it was a lot of like maybe denver theater people um who were doing this because like they were you know talking in accents and using voices and so like it was 
it was interesting and then it was um an open bar um and including a uh francis ford coppola wine booth um (laughs) which uh was exciting and so here's my uh my one story most of the like i was mostly like wow this is really cool also like i feel super out of place here Mm. um but then like I, I like didn't talk to anyone uh except Lindsay the whole time and she was like playing the game so she was like going around and talking to people and stuff and I was like mostly just like hanging out with a drink and then um at one point someone came in and um and they were dressed up in like Jedi robes and had a lightsaber and I was like oh man this is this is the person this is the person like i've been waiting to talk to all night because i just watched knives out yeah and i was like oh man like let's go deep like let's do this let's talk last jedi let's Mm -hmm. talk knives out Mm -hmm. let's talk similarities like let you know let's talk ryan johnson and so like i go up to this guy and I was like, oh, did you, uh, did you enjoy the, did you enjoy the film? And he's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't go to the movie. I'm just here for the party. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, like I assumed like, you know, you're dressed up like in Star Wars stuff. Like I didn't know if it was, um, you know like ryan johnson last jedi to like knives out you know yeah and he's like no (laughs) okay and i was like okay bye does he just go to all parties in a jedi robe then or like what's the well it was halloween oh that's true okay that's true um so like people were dressed up but i was like okay well not really going to get to talk star wars with anyone yeah. here well and tonight. obviously obviously then ryan johnson was not at the party right um uh i mean at the time that we left he was not there gotcha no. gotcha right on. okay but. all right well um <clears throat> that sounds awesome i'm very jealous that you were able to go to yeah. that um knives out did play at the chicago film festival in october as well ryan was there um would have been a tough uh, thing for me to get to though as that's uh, at that time of day that I would have had to have left to go to it, like a two hour drive and it was a work night and et cetera. So um, kind of bummed I didn't do it, but uh, I am happy that you were able to do that, Ryan. That sounds amazing. I got to wait a couple more weeks to see knives out, but um, real quick on the way out the door here, um, mm-hmm. an article was posted on deadline last night headline. Ryan Johnson says he's still in talks for more star Wars and that angry last Jedi tweets helped inspire knives out so um he says anyone who's on twitter these days god bless you because it's rough waters out there but there's also wonderful wonderful stuff about it that's why we're all still on it i guess that's one of the things knives out engages with the current state of online culture whether you made a star wars movie or you have a cooking show whatever you're doing on there someone's going to be screaming at you about it probably let's put it on a screen in a way we can all maybe have a laugh about Mm-hmm. Um, and he also said, uh, as far as Nimes Alco, uh, goes, what we try and do is place it in the modern day. That for me meant not just skinning it with cell phones, modern cars and music that meant actually plugging it into 2019. We do character types who are slight caricatures of the type Agatha Christie used to do. 
or used to do, but with people who for better or worse, you could only meet in 2019. Um, that all sounds really um, smart and funny and engaging. And I know that there's more that you want to say that you won't say now because you don't want to ruin anything. So thank you for that, Ryan. Um, all that being said, the Star Wars part of this is this quote here in the middle where Johnson added, he is still in talks with Lucasfilm to make more Star Wars films, though he had no news about them. We're still engaged with Lucasfilm and we'll wait and see. No, no updates on it at this moment, but yeah. Okay, so there's there's the quote from, from Ryan Johnson there. Uh, man, I read a quote like that and um, my initial reaction is like, uh, I just want you to say, hell yes, I'm doing more Star Wars. It's happening, can't wait. The more I see these kinds of comments, because you had sent us an article, I don't have it up right now, but you had sent us an article or a quote from Ryan Johnson a few weeks ago where he was like, oh, did I say I may be doing it? Whoops. Or like, like basically like he had a quote a month or two ago that kind of had us all going, "Uh oh, maybe he's not doing the movies anymore. And then not too long after that, someone asked him about that quote and he was like, oh, geez, I didn't mean to do that. You know what I mean? And now, and now he has a quote that says, uh, we're still talking about it, but I can't update you on it at the moment. So my initial reaction is to be like, oh my God, I'm nervous. Maybe he's not doing it anymore. Or maybe like Lucasfilm is being like very, I don't know, Ryan, we, we're not sure we want you to do it. But then the more and more I think about it, the more I'm looking at a quote like that and I'm thinking, okay, they made the deal to do more Star Wars movies with Ryan Johnson before The Last Jedi was even out. They love Ryan Johnson. They worked well with him. The movie's controversial with some people, but it made a ton of money and I think overall is a big success. And it's kept people talking Star Wars, even if some of them are angry, right? Because um, we yeah. talked about Game of Thrones and how it just disappeared from the discourse. Like, yeah. the fact that an online war about The Last Jedi is not the best thing in the world. Like, I'm kind of sick of it. Like, ultra sick of it. But, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, like, it's a movie that has staying power. It matters to people, whether they love it or hate it. And I think overall it's a success. I know some people listening would argue that but i think it is anyway i feel like what's happening is lucasfilm is trying to get its life right right now as far as these movies go they just had to get rid of benioff mm. and weiss episode nine is on the horizon i was kind of thought it was weird when they announced that ryan johnson was doing more movies before the last Jedi even came out because it was like a month beforehand and i was like i would think you'd want to just keep the conversation on the last jedi but i suppose you know um if you're really confident in somebody you let people know before the movie comes out how confident mm. you are and then that's going to give them confidence in the movie you have coming out. So maybe it makes sense. But anyway, it's a long way of saying mm -hmm. I think it's happening <clears throat> for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that even though they, it's weird because they already said, yeah, we're doing these movies. They said it in 2017. But now I yeah. think it's a thing where it's like we want to really f nail everything down and get episode nine out. And then sometime next year, I think they're going to be kind of like, okay, here's the vision, here's what we're doing. And I think they just kind of don't want him talking about it until it's really concrete, you know what I mean? Like when and how mm -hmm. and where and all that kind of stuff. Because some of these answers are so cagey where it's like, well, we'll see what happens, I don't know, you know? But I think we just had, in fact, um, we just had the interviews with Ewan McGregor this week where he's like, God, it's so awkward to be asked about are you going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi and have to lie about it for years because you that's what they want you to do because they want you know they that they want to have the a concrete pieces to yeah own a place first yeah so that's where i'm at with all these ryan johnson comments because it gives me a lot of anxiety to be honest with you <laughs> every time i see a new quote from him about mm -hmm. his star wars movies and whether or not they're happening because they're never like 
Hell yeah. They were like, but see, that's what's weird about it too, because they were like six months ago. Um, like when he was at that cinema convention in Vegas showing the trailer for Knives Out, and he's like, and then I'll be returning to a galaxy far, far away. And he was like, here's what I'm mm-hmm. doing. And now it's a little more like, I don't know. And I guess like it's a 50-50 thing because it could be because they're not sure if he's doing it. Or it could be a thing where like I, I'm hoping that it's them telling him, hey, let's not talk about it until things are a little more concrete. Yeah, I think um, I think the original um, you know, plan when they announced um, him doing the movies before Last Jedi was before the um, you know, it was before Last Jedi, it was before Solo and it was before um, you know, Iger coming in, out and saying like we're gonna scale back Star Wars in the theater. So like it was that was probably at the point where they were still planning on having a new Star Wars movie every year. Um and obviously that's not happening now. So I think like with Ryan, I think it's not a question of if but of when. Um and, and with I Benny Off and Weiss leaving, it seems like maybe that question would be getting cleared up right now, right? Yeah. I think celebration next year Ooh, man are they gonna keep me guessing until then find out yeah you think so hmm yeah okay maybe i mean because like the because that also means keeping investors guessing and keeping all these people who write articles about is star wars in trouble at the hollywood reporter and stuff that keeps them guessing too and like how important is celebration in comparison to what the media is saying about star wars and it's troubled muddy water you know troubled waters or whatever let them let them talk let the, oh, let them eat cake like, huh marie antoinette you think no so? <laughs> she didn't say that but um <laughs> that's a misquote oh. but uh no like uh like rise of skywalker is going to be some level of financial success it's going to, like i people are going to be like oh Oh wow, Star Wars. Uh okay. Yeah, maybe like the Doom and Gloom was a little ridiculous. People are going to be talking about that movie and watching that movie a ton and um yeah, I think um the buzz is crazy. It's it's the biggest thing this holiday for sure. It, I mean, I don't it I don't know. It's not I don't think it's going to do Force Awakens numbers. Mm-hmm. It may not even... It will probably do something close to Last Jedi numbers. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's going to be above or below, but, um, you know, it'll be... Uh, it'll it'll do well. And then... Um, and I think, like, that's enough for a while. Like, that will be where people will be like, okay, Star Wars is fine, like Mandalorian is going to like even people who like hate the sequel trilogy and stuff like Mandalorian is going to be for those people and for us um but I think like that's going to get um more people back on board I think the video game is going to um you know get more people on board like Star Wars is going to have a good holiday it's going to be able to ride that wave um, through the first part of the year and then by the time celebration rolls down rolls around i think like i 
think the point of having a celebration one year after is to be like, okay, here's the future of Star Wars. Okay, could be. Um, I'm 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 with you uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I, th- I I I would place my money on they start talking or or they make some kind of announcement um, about Ryan Johnson and the movies that he's going to make earlier in the year than celebration, but then they do like a conversation with him or something at celebration where they actually probably can't, I mean, they're not going to talk too much about it, but, but sort of do like what you're saying is like sort of use celebration to kind of tell star Wars fans, like, where are we going? You know what I mean? But if it's coming out in 2022 also, like I think he'll be working on it before celebration, uh, of course. And, uh, and I think that, yeah, I just feel like they would want the world to know and the entertainment industry to know that, yes, there is a plan and, yes, we are doing something as far as Star Wars goes and what it is they're doing. Um, and I think that's a different thing than communicating with, like, the fans, which you're probably right. They, they will do that. Hopefully they'll do that at Celebration. They'd have to about the future of Star Wars. But, um but yeah, I mean, Celebration hopefully is going to be Cassian Andor. It's going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's going to be like looking back at the sequel trilogy. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff at Celebration, but I think then also, yeah, um, hopefully a conversation with with uh, Ryan Johnson would be great. Best thing, one of the best things I've gone to in, in Star Wars Celebration uh, history is the Future Filmmakers panel I went to on Sunday morning in 2015, um, which turned out to just be with gareth edwards it was supposed to be josh trank and gareth edwards um but it was just a conversation with gareth edwards about rogue one and i mean they haven't filmed a single shot of that movie yet you know it was they were getting ready to go shoot pretty soon so they'll be farther along than than ryan johnson will be uh if it's all shaking out the way we hope it will um but still it was just like we're just talking about what the vision is for the movie um not character names i don't think nothing really specific you know so i I would love if they did a, a panel like that with Ryan Johnson where it's just like, let's just sit down and pick your brain and talk about like what you hope to do with your star Wars movies. Um, in a very general sense, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. But I think they could do that without and still announce like, okay, he is doing the movies and this is when they're coming out. Yeah. In the year. Yeah. And I mean, they could, they could just say like, they could have the press release. That's like the first of Ryan's new era of star wars movies comes out in december 2022 yeah although like they could have that and then like go a little more into it at celebration that being said one of the things that's easy to criticize them for is announcing things and then having to fire people or not follow through with them or whatever so i guess there's no there's not too big of an incentive of announcing it you know earlier than you need to and it's a weird thing because it's already been announced they announced it in 2017 but now it's like yeah well what's happening so um God, I hope we're right. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I, I just hope we're right that it's still happening, and and the caginess is because we've gone back into download mode, and we're not we're not publicly talking yet. Like in 2017, things were gravy. Everybody was excited. Yep, that's what we're gonna do. We're doing all kinds of things. We're doing a movie. You get a movie. You get a movie. You get a movie. We're doing movies yeah, all yeah. over the place. Now we've really dialed that back. It doesn't mean we're moving away from working with you, but it means we're moving away from talking about this stuff. We're in lockdown yeah. mode, and yeah. you can talk about like, it when we come out of lockdown We're talking about mode. The Mandalorian. We're talking about Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. We're talking about The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. That's where things are at right now. That is what I want to believe, yeah. so I think that's absolutely what's happening. I mean, that's what my gut tells I, me. Yeah, it's it makes the most sense to me, especially with Benny Hoff and Weiss being out the door. It's like she said, uh, Kathleen Kennedy said earlier in the year, 
uh, at Celebration. She said, oh, yeah, next month we're going to have a sit-down. Uh, I forget what they called it, but we're going to have a sit-down yeah. like um, Ryan Johnson, Benioff and Weiss, us. We're going to talk about the future of Star Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. Wouldn't be shocked if things started to go south there. You know what I mean? God, <laughs> With I would love to be have been a fly on the wall for that with the people who were just announced as out the door <laughs> I, I think but that's mm-hmm. you know uh and kathleen kennedy is gonna be talking um in mm-hmm. december when these movies come out people will be asking her questions so maybe she'll be able to say and bob Iger will be talking in december when these movies come out or when the movie comes out so maybe maybe at that point they'll be a little more like hey ryan's our guy you know we're still definitely working with ryan but we we're not talking anything more specific than that right now. You know, maybe they'll say those kinds of things to reassure us. But I think if you're Ryan Johnson at this point, you're kind of like, yeah, we're not, I don't know, you know, can't really talk about it. So, well, I will say he hasn't announced another project. I don't believe that's true. Although he did announce a new production company like him and Ron Bergman. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll see. But uh, even when that happened, he was like, yeah, I'm still doing star Wars, but you know, maybe I'll do one more movie and then star Wars, or maybe I'll go right to star Wars. So, um, it does mm-hmm. kind of seem like for a long time it's, the, the plan has been, you know, I'm doing I'm, I'm doing more Star Wars, but there's some play as far as when it's going to happen. So um, hopefully that, you know, doesn't mean anything. Concern, it shouldn't be concerning because if that's always been kind of yeah. the, the talk, like we, 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 we want you to do it, but, you know, we'll have to figure out when. Yeah, I mean, you on his IMDb right now, he has... Um, Knives Out 2019, and the only thing above it is Untitled Star Wars Trilogy Episode 1. Wow. Nice. All right. All right. Cool. Well, um, eh, I guess it's an exciting time because we've got like some great stuff coming out. We've got Mandalorian. We've got um, Rise of Skywalker on the way. There's a lot of good things happening. Um, And I think, uh, you know, maybe the force had to balance itself out a little bit in removing Benioff and Weiss (laughs) the way it has before with certain other creators. Um, Sorry to them. Benioff and Weiss Demption. Yes. But I mean, they can, well, they can console themselves with the $250 million deal they have at Netflix. And uh, it sounds like they wanted out. And that's a sad thing, I'm sure, for them. Um, But it does sound like they wanted out. Um, Or maybe Lucasfilm is just generously putting it that way but i i don't know i mean when trevor no we're moving on we're ending but when trevor was we're, when, we're when trevor left we're there was no like hours. everybody knew what the score was you know what i mean this seems a little more maybe they really did just decide to walk away for complex reasons but anyway we're gonna walk away for simple reasons um mm-hmm. one simple reason being that we're already over two hours and it's time to go so if you're mm-hmm. still here thank you um for sticking with us um, we will be back. We will be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner Podcast. Until then, you can check out everything we do at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. You can email us um, at blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com or um, interact with us on Twitter. Uh, the account for the show is at Blockade Run, and Ryan, your personal account is at Braun B R A W N D W A R F. All right. So thanks very much for watching and/or listening, and we will be back soon with more.